Lock and Load. This is GeorgiaCarry.org Radio with Georgia Carry's Executive Director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. The leader in the fight to reclaim and expand our Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. Here's your host, Executive Director of GeorgiaCarry.org, Jerry Henry. Welcome to GeorgiaCarry.org Radio Hour this beautiful Saturday morning, downtown Atlanta, Georgia. Uh, we've had uh, had quite a week. We've had a lot of things happen this week. Got a couple anniversaries uh, that we're going to talk about later today. We've had uh, on Thursday uh, the fifth anniversary of uh, Sandy Hook, which a lot of people are saying still didn't happen, but uh, we're not so sure about one way or the other on that one. Uh, and yesterday, December the 15th, was the 226th anniversary of the ratification of the Bill of Rights, which uh, is what uh, enumerated into the Constitution the right to keep and bear arms. And we, we all know, most of us believe that those are God-given rights and that the Constitution really has nothing to do with it, but it did enumerate those rights so that the, the government could try to keep from doing other things to us. So. Uh, we're going to get on with the show. Today I have as my special guest a good friend that I met a couple of years ago when he was speaker here at uh, at our convention. And actually, I think I met him before that out at uh, GRPC, the uh, Gun Rights Policy Conference out in uh, Phoenix, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere out in Arizona. And um, we've uh, we've become pretty good friends, and we we do a lot of talking back and forth, a lot of texting and and I follow a lot of his tweets, and if you uh, if you want to get tweeted all day long, you need to follow him as well because he he throws out a lot of information. He writes some good columns, and and I've been fortunate enough to be asked to uh, write a couple of columns for him. And uh, it's just uh, just a good guy that that many of you know, and if you don't know him, you should know him. It's uh, A. W. R. Hawkins, who is the uh, Second Amendment writer for Breitbart.com. So, welcome to the show this morning, A. W. R. Well, thank you, Jerry. Great to be with you. So, tell us what you think about uh, about uh, any of the landmarks this week that happened. Well, I mean, I think uh, your point on the ratification of the Bill of Rights is important. Uh, and, and, of course, what's most important about what you said is that those rights did pre-exist the Bill of Rights. And that's the whole reason we had to have a Bill of Rights. That's correct. We people missed that we didn't need a bill of rights to create rights we needed a bill of rights to tell the government you keep your grubby paws off these rights that's correct these rights these rights have nothing to do with government these rights are the people's they come to them by god through birth and uh or i should say through nature and uh so i think that's crucial i think uh i think the sandy hook anniversary i'll be honest with you uh jerry i believe as i watched uh, tweets on that two days ago, what I noticed will, was that there was not nearly the enthusiasm for gun control that I thought we would see. Right. To be honest with you, I woke up Thursday morning planning to do a big story on celebrity outpouring for gun control. And literally, I'm not lying, after looking at Twitter for about six hours in between articles, I got tired of trying to find tweets, and we just dropped the idea. Right. Now, if we if we had backed up a year ago, two years ago, within a half hour, I'd had more more tweets than I could write about. Oh but yeah, just that would have been coming out. They're trying to pretend. They're trying to pretend people want gun control. Is what I see, right. and 
people just really aren't interested. No, and they, they would have been coming out with tweets on Wednesday talking about what's going to happen tomorrow uh, as well. I, I'd have to agree with you on that. And I would point out to, to people that that uh, Sandy Hook is also the uh, – that's the reason that I bought an AR-15. I never really wanted one. But when they started getting serious about – or sounding serious about they were going to try to, to uh, ban them, I figured I needed one. So I went and bought one. And I've only shot it about uh, – well, I think I've shot it once. I um, went down to a, a GCO board meeting, and uh, we have it at, at one of our members, uh, one of our board members' place, who has about fifty acres. And uh, I told him I wanted to side it in because a lot of times we go down and we shoot, we we go down and, and have a dove hunt to begin with, and then afterwards if we want to shoot target practice something along those lines. And I said, well, I just want—I've never shot it. I want to make sure the the uh, sights are correct and. I shot uh, at a, uh, I think it was about 50 yards. I shot at a, um, a can of Tannerite underneath a um, uh, bowling ball pin or a bowling pin. And I hit it, and the pin went up higher than the pine trees down there. And I set it down. I said, Well, the sights are on. I don't need to shoot it anymore. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I found out a long time ago you don't want to start bragging, you're going to be in trouble. So. Uh, the Cytrone, I bought it because of, of all the gun control talk after Sandy Hook. And right. like I said, I had never really wanted one. To me, they look like Mattel toys. Uh, to me, a rifle is, is a beautiful thing. It's it's some really nice wood, nice blued barrel, you know, with scope or whatever. And this just doesn't fit that description at all. It's a great gun. I enjoy it. But it's just uh, it's just not my idea of, a, of what I was raised around a rifle for. Right now, you know, I've got I've got a couple of them. I love them, but at the same time, you know how crazy the left is, and the left claims that the AR-15 is the weapon of choice for criminals or mass mm-hmm. shooters. I mean, they obviously the people that say that have never carried an AR-15 because it's not a convenient gun to hide. It's no, terribly hard, terribly hard to conceal. Right, I, but to me. It's a piece of ingenuity. Like the 1911, the handgun, always stands out in my mind as a piece of American ingenuity. Right. And in the same way, the AR-15 does, and it's because it's become it's become a gun like the 1911 that with interchangeable parts, with so much aftermarket. Right. That I believe if political correctness weren't killing us in this country, we'd be running articles praising the ingenuity of the AR-15. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I'm like you, and I grew up. My idea of a rifle, it had a bolt on it, and it might hold, you know, you might it might hold one round at a time, it might hold three, and I'm not criticizing how many rounds a gun holds. But I mean, right. the old the old hunting rifle, there is something sweet about a rifle that you can reach out and touch something with oh, about yeah. 700 guns. Yeah, I agree with that. And that, that's, like I said, that's what I was always raised around. And, and you, you know, if you remember, of course, you're not nearly as old as I am, but when I was a kid, it was not unusual to see a, a rifle hanging over uh, uh, the mantle on a fireplace. And uh, it was always a beautiful thing. It wasn't uh, something that would look like an AR-15. That was never a, <laughs> that's never been a mantle rifle, but it is a, it is a very uh, popular rider, a rifle, and it's, uh, it has a great purpose. Uh, in uh, in plinking as well as uh, uh, varmint hunting, it's it's one of the the most uh, efficient varmint hunters that you can find when you're living in a country where you got a lot of varmints. It's a good thing to have. Uh, one yeah. other thing that I want to say about the uh, the Bill of Rights uh, and the Constitution, actually, 
you know, a lot of people don't realize, but that was the first document that was ever written that told the government, this is all you can do. You have to keep your hands off everything else. Any other documents that were written said what the government could do to you. And that was one of uh, Barack Obama's complaints about it, was that it was a, a bill of negative rights. And he meant negative rights in the government because they couldn't do anything to you like previous governments in this world had been able to do. And I think that's a very important part. And I don't think we, we teach that to the young kids anymore. Oh, I know we don't. I mean, uh, I know we don't. I'll tell you, you know, I did a, a BA, an MA, and a PhD. I think from start to finish, I went straight through. I think start to finish was 10 and a half years. Mm-hmm. I would, other than my master's course, where I happened to just was fortunate to have a real good history teacher. There were two of them, actually. Other than those two courses, in 10 and a half years, I don't remember a professor talking to me about natural rights, what they are, what they mean, where they come from. Uh, and and they, they purposely avoid that because those, those hippies in academia don't want us to understand our freedom. Because if we understand that the right to keep and bear arms, literally, the, the right for me to carry the Glock I'm going to carry today comes to me from God, not government. If I understand that, they're worried that I'll act like a free man. That's and, correct. Uh, so I, I think that's why we have to get that message out so that people can know they're free and they that's can correct. live like they're free. That's correct. And gun control, as we've said before, is not about guns. It's about control. It's about being able to tell you what to do when you can do it and you not having any method whatsoever to stop that from happening. Right. You're exactly right. And you see that. If you look at California right now, California has uh, universal background checks, gun registration requirements, gun confiscation laws, a 10-day waiting period on gun purchases, a good cause requirement for concealed permit issuance, on and on and on I can go. And starting January 1, they're going to start doing all the same things with ammunition. You can only buy ammunition that's sold in California. You can only buy that from a licensed dealer. You have to pay him a fee when you do that, by the way. Mm -hmm. And then a year after that, you're going to have to go through a background check to buy bullets. So what they're doing, they put up these constraints, and then they start narrowing them. And all the while, if you pay attention, about every two about every one one out of every three high profile attacks in this country happen in California. Their gun control isn't doing anything no. to stop crime. It's just controlling the people. That's well, all it's doing. And, and Chicago didn't their their gun control didn't do anything to control crime. Washington DC didn't either. I mean we can we can sit here and just rattle off places that are are that way. And and that has been that way back since the old West. Uh, days. It, it's the people who had the most gun control had the most murders. We've got about a half a minute here. So uh, just uh, want to remind you, we've got to take a break here. Uh, GeorgiaCarry.org, our website, the same as our name. Uh, you can find anything you want to about us. We've got a good FAQ session. You can collect or you can contact anyone there. Uh, you can follow me at GotYourBack64. Follow us at GeorgiaCarry. And you can download the free podcast, commercial free podcast, here at Newstalk1160.com. We'll be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. 
I am here with uh, A.W.R. Hawkins, a good friend out in Arizona, uh, writer for Breitbart.com, a Second Amendment writer for Breitbart.com, and he writes an awful lot of articles that, that are very informative. You follow him, and you can stay up with what's happening throughout the United States and, and even further sometimes. But at any rate, we, we were talking about the Constitution in the first part, talked a little bit about Sandy Hook. Uh, let's talk a little bit about... Uh, National reciprocity. How do you how do you feel about that? What do you think our chances are and things of that nature? Well, I felt real good about it when it passed the House, but I'm a little worried about Mitch McConnell. He's just he is not a good leader. A and B does not seem interested in this, and he's he's what he's done. He's dragged his feet to the point that now we're going to lose one member of our 52 member majority and. And there's a chance that, due to health, we're going to lose a couple of couple of other Republican senators. Now they'll 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 almost certainly be replaced by other Republicans, but it's a time issue, right? And uh, uh, you know McCain and and Cochran, and uh, it's a time issue replacing them. And so I'm worried that he's just not really in the mood to uh, get the horse moving, that he's just taking his time. And we have an advantage right now because we have eight Democrats who are in red states in the Senate. They've mm-hmm. got to vote for this bill. Right. They have to if they want to get reelected. Right. So we can hold this over their head, but the longer we wait uh, uh, and let and let the seat number shift in the Senate, the longer we wait and risk that, the, we lose the momentum. So sure. I think we've got to strike quick. If we strike quick, I don't see any problem passing this. If he waits till March or April, we're going to have a fight on our hands. It's going to be a hard. We could still win, but it's going to be a lot harder. Yeah, well, I, I, my opinion is uh, similar to what you just said. I think he'll wait. I, don't, I think he'll drag his feet. Uh, uh, Paul Ryan uh, drug his feet as long as he could. He didn't have any choice but to take it on. And, and right. McConnell is the same way. He's out fighting people that would be voting for this. And and he's one of the biggest rhinos I've seen as far as I'm concerned. But um, And it doesn't matter whether he's, a, whether he's a rhino or a dino or whatever you want to call him. Uh, the fact is he's not on our side, and he hasn't been on our side. But he, he talks like he's on our side. And we've got an awful lot of those people, not only in the, in the national uh, politics but in the local politics as well. Right. Oh, I agree with you, and it's pain. It's pain. Paul Ryan's one of the worst. Uh, Paul Ryan is the first. Well, he's the only speaker that I can imagine that would make that makes me wish that Speaker Boehner was still speaker. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And uh, it's just Paul Ryan. Uh, Paul Ryan makes Lindsey Graham look like a conservative. You oh, yeah. know, and uh, I I don't know how else to say it, but uh, I, I'm just hoping. I think if the people make enough noise, we can get it done because. The people can force their senators to act. And, you know, as you're saying, that's how we did it in the House. We didn't get anything done with Ryan. So we, we started pushing senators to co-sponsor, co- I mean, House members, co-sponsor, right. co-sponsor. Right. And we finally hit critical mass. And I think we're going to have to do that in the Senate. Yeah. Well, and again, though, it's timing. Uh, as you say, if we're not careful, we'll lose, uh, lose the momentum we have on it. Um, what, do you, uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on combining it with the Nick's, fixed Nick's bill? I'm not crazy about it because I feel like that's been done uh, as a way to appease Democrats like Chuck Schumer, and I don't believe you're going to appease him, but I believe you you could actually cause some senators like 
Rand Paul to oppose national reciprocity because of fixed NICs, I believe I believe the bills should be separated and considered on their own merit. Well, I agree. Yeah, I agree. I agree, and there, there's, but you know, when you really dig into the fixed NICs, it doesn't do a whole lot to change the laws that we currently have. Uh, the only thing that I know that it does is it gives a, a defined time frame of when you can get your name off the list if you don't belong there, and it keeps track of uh, crimes committed with bump stocks. But other than that, uh, all the definitions and everything is still uh, uh, still in the uh, uh, 18 U.S. 922. You know, they keep track of crimes committed with bump stocks. They might as well keep track of crimes committed with billy clubs. Because, I agree. Uh, as far as I know, there's only been one crime with a bump stock uh, that, in the history of bump stocks. Yeah, that's what I said. Let me Give me that job and pay me uh, $80,000 a year to keep track of it, and I'll be happy. Yeah. Because it ain't going to be hard to do. Uh, and that's what I said. It's just... Uh, I'm I'm happy to see them do it because it's going to tell everybody just how popular bump stocks really are, especially if you're going to go commit a crime. It, it's right. just not there. I mean, it wasn't. I, I right after uh, Las Vegas, you know, we were out in Dallas uh, when that happened. I I had just gotten back home, and, and I think you were headed back home. Uh, we were out at the GRPC, and and uh, the next day, I believe it was after it happened, or, or two days later, I went over to. To my favorite gun store and walked in and we were talking Autry's Armory and one of our uh, uh, diamond sponsors down in Fayetteville, Georgia. I walked in and, uh, you know, we just always kid around. I said, well, um, I, I'd like to, I said, I'd like to see some bump stocks. And they started laughing. And they said, man, we hadn't seen a bump stock in, in ages. He said, we bought uh, about a hundred of them, I think, uh, back about two or three years ago, and he said we we had to get those down to just almost giveaway prices in order to get rid of them. And he said it took us forever to get rid of them. And he said we nobody wanted them until people come uh, until the legislators start talking about getting rid of the bump stocks, uh, you know, banning them. So it, it went from a, an item that he was selling. I think he said the last ones he sold for something like forty nine fifty dollars just to get rid of to uh, somebody willing to pay $1,000 so they could say they had one. So it, it's just ridiculous. Right. Everything that, that that nobody – well, let me let me rephrase some of these things here. The, the uh, gun prohibitionist legislators don't really think out what they're, they're wanting to do or what the, the consequences of their bills will be when they start talking about banning these things. Right. All they're going to do is make them more popular, make them more expensive – but people are still going to want them. There's something about banning something that makes people say, hey, I want one. Right. Well, I think, I think too, though, the people that are banning everything, they don't know anything. And that no. includes Republicans and Democrats. Uh, Senator John Cornyn came out on October 4th and wanted a hearing on bump stocks. You'll remember the attack was mm-hmm. on October 1st. Right. So on October 4th, he wanted a hearing on bump stocks. He admitted that that the day before the Las Vegas attack, he'd never even heard of a bump stock. Right, right. And, and very few people. Of, a number, number of Republicans did this. And I I was, to call me offended is, there's just, the I, the language I would have to use to express myself fully here would not be allowed on radio. I'll just say that, um, to think, I am a politician. I admit I don't even understand what it is. I never heard of it before, but I'm going to ban it. Right. I want that to attitude on it. right there. That attitude is no good. Well, it's it's the attitude that something happened 
we've got to do something. We've got to stop this from happening again. We, if we do something, it won't happen again. And the people expect us to do something and to respond. And if we don't respond, then we're not doing our job. You know, I, I, I used to I used an example last week when Mark was on here. Uh, I was on a um, I was on a, a jury for a murder trial here several years ago. And the DA did not even come close to proving his case. But when it came time for the jury to vote, there were two women that did not want to let the guy off because somebody was dead and and something needed to be done. I said, yeah, something needs to be done. They need to find the guy that did it. This guy didn't do it. And but that's the mentality in my mind of what an awful lot of our politicians do is, well, Something bad happened. We have to show the people that we're responsive, and we've got to go do something to stop this. And what they do only creates more problems. Right. See, the problem with that mindset, you're 100% right, and the problem with that mindset is that they, they don't understand They don't understand that they're not supposed to meddle in our business to this degree. This is part of what the Second Amendment defends us from. When some loon abuses his rights, whether he kills three people in a convenience store or 58 people outside a hotel in Vegas, when he does that, our rights are not supposed to be at risk because the government's supposed to keep their hands off. So the fact that these politicians have conditioned themselves that they're supposed to step in and do something for our good, I don't need them to do something for my good. I'm a free man, I'm armed, and I can take care of myself. I agree with you. I, I'm 100% behind you. I'm just saying that's the way they, they seem to think. And, and that's a lot of the mentality that those people are brought up with. And an awful lot of our uh, supposedly free citizens are, have kind of adopted the same thing. Well, we want the government, government to do something about it. I want them to stay out of my life and leave me alone. Let me do something about it. You know. Yeah. And, and, and you know what happens when the government does less about it? And this is something under Trump. You know, we have... I think this year background checks are going to be second highest ever on record. I believe they were on track for that a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. That, not all those background checks are for gun sales, but a lot of them are. But what we've seen this year is without the pressure for more gun legislation, because even when the politicians talk it, Trump doesn't talk about signing it. Right. You'll notice what's happened. Without all that seconds. stuff happening, Without all that stuff happening, gun prices have dropped. And people can actually afford a daggone gun now. Right. They can afford almost any kind of gun they want. That's right. And that's how it is when we're free. Right. And keep that thought. We'll pick that up when we come right back from this commercial break. Uh, GeorgiaCarry.org is our website. Visit us. Uh, you can download the commercial-free podcast there as well as here at uh, Newstalk1160.com. And we will be right back. And now, back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. Uh, here once again with A.W.R. Hawkins, uh, Second Amendment writer for Breitbart.com, good friend and GCO member. I don't know if I uh, said that to begin with, but he is a member of GeorgiaCarry.org. And... Uh, he was he's one of the speakers that came down here and uh, and was totally impressed with us and and uh we're happy for that and and we're happy to call him a member and a friend uh we were talking earlier about uh, about the uh, uh fifth anniversary of of sandy hook and 
there were so many things that have been said lately about that and mass shootings and all. So give us a little bit of uh, intake on what uh, some of the things you've heard that you know are just totally wrong. Well, you got. I'd say uh, I'd say one of the biggest total wrongs is uh, Jim Acosta, the CNN guy, he's king of fake news. He mm-hmm. uh, he he's got out a tweet that says that there have been one thousand five hundred and fifty-two mass shootings since Sandy Hook. Now, I'm not good at math, but I I was good enough to take that figure and divide it by five. And what that means is he's suggesting an average of 310 mass shootings a year mm-hmm. since, Sandy, since Sandy Hook. Look, this is so exaggerated. I would guess, and this is a guess, but it's fairly educated because I keep up with this stuff. I'd guess we've had five to eight mass shootings this year. And, and I, the number is going to be closer to five. Uh, and so he's only off by about 305 mass shootings a year. Well, that's, that's close. How, that's, a, that's just a rounding area, isn't it? Um, yeah, he's rounding it up from 5 to 310. But see, here's the whole deal. This is why, this is why these people don't speak to Americans anymore. Because if everything's a mass shooting, then nothing's a mass shooting. And if you look at the material he uses to count mass shootings, and I looked at it, it can't. It's a street crime right. where three people are injured or That's four correct. people are injured. No, no fatalities, none. That's right. But it's, it's a mass shooting. Well, if that, so now if a see if a murder is a mass shooting, then there's not really any difference in a murder and a mass shooting. If a double murder is a mass shooting, there's not. If a triple murder, see the FBI has a hard and fast rule that a mass shooting is when four or more people are killed in one incident. Right. And, if you use that measure, which is one we've used for decades, if you use that measure, then literally 99% of what Acosta is counting, 99% of it, they either break down as double murders, as murder homicides, or as triple murders. They, they are not mass shootings. Or, so, dri- or a drive-by shooting in the hood. Or, or a drive-by shooting. It's a lot of gang crime. It's absolutely... Ridiculous. So I'm not saying that those lives in the inner city don't matter. I'm not right. saying that. What I'm saying is they're not carrying out mass shootings. They're carrying no. out gang crime. Uh, as you say, part of gang crime is a drive-by shooting. So this is just a desperation uh, move, uh, but he needs to be called out for it. Well, I don't disagree with that. And, and the thing of it is, even if you want to call them uh, what they call them, you know, anybody over four uh, injured in a, in a single incident, that's fine, except that when they – they bring this incident out. They want it to sound like there have been 1,500 Sandy Hooks since we started. There have been 1,500 Columbines. You know, when you start talking, you and I, or at least I do, when I start thinking about a mass shooting, I think about Las Vegas. I think about Sandy Hook. I think about Columbine. I think about uh, places where people have actually gone in and killed several people in gun-free zones, basically, which is, is where the, most of those things happen. And and it's a it is a to me it's kind of like a plane crash if you look at a plane crash it's so devastating because two or three hundred people lose their lives at the same place at the same time but yet right every day more than two or three hundred people lose their lives in automobile accidents or at least every two or three days i think the number must be somewhere around 100 people a day uh so every three days you lose the same number of people but those are one, two, three at a time, and you don't see those as a mass, uh, as a big problem, as a, as a big 
travesty. Uh, it's just right. you just the same number of people are uh, lives are lost, but it's not the big thing that this plane crash was. Right. No. Well, and the other thing is these people are people like Acosta have a problem telling the truth, and like you know, uh, Lieutenant Governor Gavin Newsom did the same thing on on uh, December fourteenth. He sent out a tweet, and he pointed to four. Four big mass shootings, the San Bernardino, Orlando, Mm -hmm. uh, Vegas, and the Texas church shooting. He's like, enough, enough, you know, enough is enough, and all this. What do you see? He's so eager to push gun control that he doesn't stop to think and realize the gun control they push, their number one, their their North Star, as Senator Chris Murphy called it, their North Star is expanded background checks. Well, Mm -hmm. what what do the four attacks that Gavin Newsom pushed have in common? The gunman passed the background check That's in correct. every instance. That's correct. And so you're just like, you, you're you so eager to push gun control, you forgot to stop and think that basically what you did is you proved to us that gun control can't stop a determined attacker. That's what you did. That's correct. And uh, so we just got, that. it's just, it's too much hype. Too much hype and not enough thought. Well, the good news is, though, that, that I think the majority of the people in the United States are, are understanding that that we do need a Second Amendment. We do need to protect our uh, the right to protect ourselves. And, and they're not falling for all that hype. The, the progressives are. Those people are, are for it. But, you know, in, in most states, we have an awful lot of, of uh, what I still call Democrats and not necessarily progressives that, that are strong gun rights uh, people. Uh, we have a... a um, Stanford Bishop down here in South Georgia as a Democrat to tell that seat for ages and ages, but he was one of the first guys to sign on to the National Reciprocity Bill. So, you know, just because they've got that label doesn't mean they're wrong, but the progressives are the ones that start pushing all this stuff and and try to get complete government control over everything. Right. No, I'm with you. And the problem is, the problem is they use these tactics. It's just, there, there is, this is a whole different topic in a way, but in a way it's not. There is a ruling class in this country. Right. And that, that, that ruling class, like these heathens, like Gavin Newsom, that lieutenant governor. See, Gavin Newsom is all about taking our guns. He's, he's literally all about taking our guns. Mm-hmm. But he has, I've done, a, I, I can't remember how many millions he's spent on taxpayer-funded private security, but right. he has armed men walking by him all the time. Mm-hmm. And so what I learned what I learned from Gavin Newsom, and I'm sure CNN, I'm sure you would know this too, I'm sure CNN uh, there in Atlanta, I bet you a dollar they have armed security around that building. And so I guarantee I they Costa, do. I have Acosta and people like Newsom telling me, you know, making arguments to take away my guns, but they have theirs. So I, what, what they tell me is that their life and their view is worth something, and mine is and that chaps me, and it makes me makes me dislike them even more. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. They they can buy their security, we can't buy ours. So therefore, we're not we're not worthy of being secure right. or or being right. helped by somebody. But at the on the CNN level, by the way, uh, when you walk into the CNN building, if you're going in to see anybody at the CNN, now you walk through and there's a, a big uh, restaurant back there, a big open food court, and you can go back there without being uh, going through security, but anytime you go into any place that's that is part of CNN, you go through security, and if that's down on the first floor, you go up to the fourth floor or fifth floor, whatever, whatever number of floors there are. When you get off up there at the elevator, you will be going through another security check. 
through another metal detector to make sure that you didn't get anything snuck past the first one. So yes, they are yeah. very strong on on uh, on security and and making sure that I can't carry my firearm in there. In fact, I, I joked when I was going down for an interview and I said they were talking about the AR-15. I think it was back around Sandy Hook. And I said, well, I've got one. You want me to bring it? <laughs> that didn't go over real well. But uh, <laughs> they they kind of explained that, no, you, you probably shouldn't do that. If you do, leave it in the parking lot because you, you, you will not get into the building with it. So it's <laughs> it was uh, it was one of those things. However, I've done uh, numerous other uh, interviews where I'm I'm armed when I'm seeing it. And most of the time when you see me on TV, unless it's CNN, uh, I'll be armed, and uh, you know I'm armed right now in a radio station. Uh, I just, uh, I just don't go anywhere without it. It just, it it just fits on my side, and I feel so much better if I get out somewhere and I, I have, uh, I didn't take it with me. I turn around and go back home, and it's rare that that ever happens. But you know, I, I just know that when when that if something should happen. And I'm not armed, and then it's all my fault, not uh, not anybody else's fault. So, uh, it it and it's a mindset. It's a mindset that I think some people develop. It's a mindset that some of us seem to be born with. But uh, you know, uh, coming from Texas, uh, the Wild West, you know, it's just uh, one of those things. Uh, as a matter of fact, I mentioned the Wild West a while ago. I watched a TV program last night, and they said that in in Kansas. From 1860 to 1875, there were five murders a year. That's the wild, wild west. When you get to Ohio, there were 15 murders. When you got over to uh, Pennsylvania, there were 37 murders per year, those same years. So gun control didn't work then. It doesn't work now. And uh, the wild, wild west, uh, pretty safe place to be most of the time. Coming up on another break, I want to remind you one more time, go to georgiacarry.org. Our website, uh, you can find anything that we've ever done. You can join, you can renew, you can download the commercial-free podcast. You can download the commercial-free podcast here at uh, Newstalk1160.com. And uh, you can follow us at Georgia Carey. I'm at GotYourBack64, and we'll be right back. And now, back. To GeorgiaCarry.org radio with GeorgiaCarry.org's executive director, Jerry Henry. Welcome back to GeorgiaCarry.org radio hour. I'm here again with uh, AWR Hawkins, a good buddy out in uh, Arizona. And uh, we've been talking about uh, an awful lot of things gun control, Sandy Hook, things of that nature, uh, the National Reciprocity Bill. Um, and we're. Uh, we're going to wind up this uh, this segment of the program just uh, talking about whatever whatever interests us. Uh, we um, uh, as we have announced, uh, at least to some people, that our convention is uh, August the twenty fourth and twenty fifth uh, this year, and it's going to be at Stone Mountain. Uh, and it's uh, we're planning some really really good events at this this uh, convention so we don't have them in concrete yet so we can't announce them but uh hopefully if if everything works out the way that we're hoping it will uh you will be extremely surprised and happy with the with the speakers and things of that nature that we get and uh and as you know awr was a speaker 
a couple of years ago. And when we were out in Dallas in, at the GRPC this year, uh, which was uh, end of September, we discussed the, the convention, and he committed to being here on that date to, to join us at the convention, not to speak, just to come as a member and, and have a good time. And he's talking about bringing his wife. And uh, so we're, I'm looking real forward to that. I'm looking forward to seeing somebody that can put up with him. And and uh, <laughs> uh, I just uh, I, I'm just she's looking. A very, she's a very patient woman. Yeah, I, I got one at home myself. I got one that's been putting up with me for 46 years now. So uh, she's she's expecting to be canonized any any moment now. She should be <laughs> Saint Donna. Anybody that can put up with me that long, and and I tell people when they. When I tell them how long I've been married, that it, it's not my fault. Blame her. I wouldn't have put up with me anywhere near that long. So, uh, I haven't been married as long as you. I've been married 22 years, but I tell everybody the same thing. I'm like, well, they're like, how did you do it? And I go, she did it. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. That's the only way it is. I tell everybody we have a 50 50 agreement. She tells me what to do, and I do it, and it works out fine. Uh, yeah. So, uh, at any rate, we're looking forward to you being here at this convention and uh, and getting to to know some more members. Uh, we we expect to have really a good time, and like I said, we we expect a good turnout. We we've got some killer. We've got a killer speaker if we if we can line him up, and we're working on that. Uh, we may even have some live entertainment. We're not sure about that. We're working on that okay. one. So, um, uh, we're looking forward to to. Uh, the convention once again and this will be our 10th year and that's why we've gone uh out to uh, stone mountain that's why we're trying to go overboard on getting uh, a few more uh, a few more uh bigger events uh than what we've had in the past i'm i'm just i'm just happy to go to stone mountain i mean i'm happy of course to be with uh george Terry, but i think the combination of george Terry and stone mountain it's just uh, to me, that 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 grabbed me. I thought that's going to be a, a great event, and uh, but Georgia Carey, and you know this. I don't just say it's because I'm talking to you. I tell everybody. I'm like, this is the state level. The only other, the only other state level gun control or gun rights group that comes close to you guys, that comes even close, is uh, uh, Buckeye Firearms. That's yeah. the only other group I've seen accomplish things on the level that you guys are accomplishing things and they don't to me they don't they haven't hit the level you have yet but they're nipping at they're nipping at your heels and that that wouldn't bother me if i were y'all because i want to no. see everybody no I no want everybody to see. sure but uh you two you two groups are just dominating at state level it's incredible well we try we we uh We've been very fortunate in our timing and uh, some of the people we've been able to bring into the group, uh, things of that nature that have really helped us. Uh, and we have some good uh, some good pro-gun legislators here. Uh, uh, obviously, we'd like to have a few more that, that uh, we wouldn't have to, to, uh, to, to make some uh, or take less than what we would we ask for because uh, some people just won't give it to us, you know. Uh, but uh, when you look at what we've done in 10 years, uh, well, actually, uh, I think it's been nine years, but uh, no, it's 10, coming on 10. Uh, if you look at what we've done, we have accomplished quite a bit, especially for just a small group that started off with just a few guys 10 years ago. And within a couple of years, we're making great strides towards uh, 
restoring our rights to carry our firearms here in Georgia, and we have continued to do that. We're um, most of the big things that we've we've asked for, we've accomplished. There's still some other things we want to want to accomplish, but uh, and that are are fairly big. But you know, we got campus carry, we got government buildings, we've got um, uh, we got it comp. Uh, we got it codified where a, a policeman can't or law enforcement can't stop you just because they see you carrying a firearm. You know, there, there's uh, so many things. We got rid of the public gathering law, and, and a lot of people don't. You probably don't realize this, uh, A.W., but uh, some people uh, here in uh, in Georgia may not realize this, but in uh, 2007, 2008, actually, um, it was a felony if you were found near a uh, or in a uh, within a reasonable distance of a, a bus stop if you were walking down the street in Atlanta Georgia you were probably committing a felony about every other corner because that was the law and that's the way it was a reasonable distance so what's reasonable to you is not reasonable to me etc and what's reasonable to policemen it's not reasonable to anybody else so we got rid of those things but that's how backward we were 10 years ago Right. And uh, and we have been very fortunate. We've we've. Uh, well, go ahead. Well, my question is, you know, you were saying you all you all secured campus carry. I mean, well, since you secured campus carry, hasn't there just been an outbreak of murder and violence on campus, just like <laughs> Gabby Gifford said there would be? Oh I mean, yeah. yeah, just like Mike Bloomberg said. I mean, aren't you having a rise in assaults and? Armed law-abiding citizens are holding up teachers at the street corner. Isn't that happening? Well, uh, I'm not sure that it's not happening, but the news is not reporting it. So you can pretty well bet it ain't happening. And matter of fact, <laughs> I'm sitting right across the street from Georgia Tech here uh, in Atlanta, and um, I think there's been one incident over there, uh, but it was um, a law enforcement incident with a with a guy who was uh, basically begging them to shoot him, and they did. Uh, but as far as anybody carrying into a classroom, pulling it out, threatening anybody, or or shooting anybody, no, that's not happened. That's not going to happen. Uh, yeah, no, it's not. That's the thing. You know this. I mean, this you know this, but maybe some of your members don't. But I bet they do. Your members are educated on these things. But the left, when campus carry comes up, the left always talks about it like it popped out of a vacuum. Well, right. what do we? How how do we know how these people are going to act? But we know how these people are going to act because campus carries the law of the land in nine other states. And in states like California, where it's been the law since 2003, just look at the evidence. What yep. do you see? Yep. And what you see is that uh, students who have concealed carry permits are not going to commit crimes on campus. But, no. but if some looney tune comes on there to shoot it up, He's liable to get shot in the neck, and, and that will end the attack. And that's, that's, that's the plan. That's well, how it's supposed to work. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I said about the bill when, when we first started is one of the things that it took away from, from the, uh, from the uh, common criminal, anyone who wanted to, to commit any crime on a campus, he could no longer sit across the street from the campus and pick out his victim because he didn't know whether they're caring or not. So. I, now all of a sudden he has to think a little bit before he goes and grabs somebody. And the other thing that they they always try to to, to throw in there is uh, that that your student. Well, my son's eighteen years old and he goes to Georgia Tech. And I don't want him carrying a gun. Well, don't worry, he can't not legally because he has to be twenty one. So you know, it's there's, there's an awful lot of things that are are uh, 
that we've been able to accomplish. And every time we've accomplished them, if you look, uh, the crime rate goes down. It doesn't go up. In fact, uh, I think last year uh, the mayor of Atlanta said that he was bragging that the crime rates were uh, as low as they were in 1997, 30 years before. And, gee, guess what? 1997 was about the time we started carrying our firearms. So, you know, it just goes hand in hand. So uh, I don't I don't I don't like a lot of things that people say, but they do. And so there uh, we're coming up towards the end of the program here. Got a little over about a minute and a quarter. We here that uh, want to wrap up things. Uh, number one, I want to uh, thank you, AWR, for being on with me. Uh, it's always a pleasure to be with you and around you and talk to you, and, and we really appreciate that. And we look forward to uh, seeing you here in uh, in August at our convention and uh, meeting the wife and, and just uh, having a good time, talk over old times and see what have you. Uh, we will also see you at the SHOT Show uh, in January out in Las Vegas, and I'm sure we'll get to talk a little bit out there. And uh, just, uh, like I said, I really appreciate all you do for the Second Amendment, we appreciate all your writings. I follow you on Twitter, and, and people uh, here who may not be following you should follow you, at AWR Hawkins on Twitter. He's uh, he got a lot of information for you. So uh, I want to thank you again for being here, and, and uh, we'll be talking to you uh, numerous times in the in the future, I'm sure. Uh, about time to close up here. Uh, I want to remind you one more time, georgiacarry.org. You can go to the website. You can see anything we've done. You can join. You can renew. You can download the commercial-free podcast. You can download the commercial-free podcast here at Newstalk1160.com. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to georgiacarry.org radio, hosted by Georgia Carry's executive director, Jerry Henry. GeorgiaCarry.org is Georgia's no-compromise voice for gun owners. Join us each week for information on protecting your Second Amendment right to keep and bear arms. GeorgiaCarry.org Radio, Saturday mornings at 8 only on News Talk 1160, the talk of the town.